Hey, this is Drew Blackston, founder of Anchor Movement. Together with my wife, Valerie, we want to invite you to join us on our podcast as we discover more of God together. We founded Anchor Movement on Hebrews 619, which says we have this hope as an anchor for our soul, firm and secure. We hope this message drops an anchor into your soul and propels you towards the destiny that God has for you. If our message inspires you, we encourage you to rate and share with your friends and family. Thank you for tuning in to today's Anchor Movement Podcast. Enjoy the message. Hey, thank you so much for tuning in to the Anchor Movement Podcast. My name is Drew Blackston, one of the founders of Anchor Movement. And today we are in the second to last series of Embrace the Delay. And I know I've said that a few times and God keeps dropping into my spirit, into Valerie's spirit, some more delay moments. But this is sincerely the second to last Embrace the Delay. And today's podcast is called Delay in the Promise. And it goes right along with last podcast called Promise on Hold. We're going to follow the same character. It's Abraham and Sarah. We're going to follow them because the stories really interconnect the podcast Promise on Hold and today Delay in the Promise. And so really that's where we're going to hang out for the next few minutes or so. So if you're following along in your Bible, we're going to be in Genesis 12, and, and, and really the whole premise of this podcast and this message or this talk, whatever you want to call it, really the whole premise, the whole message can be summed up in this question, how long would you wait? How long would you wait? You know, we're a society of, of microwaves. We don't really want to wait for anything. We want faster internet, faster cars, faster Wi-Fi, faster downloads, 4K, 5K, HD, whatever. We want everything to be faster. But how long would you wait for something? How long would you wait for fast food, for coffee, in traffic? How long would you wait? You know, when I had kids... It made waiting a whole new ball game. And, and it really, if you're going to leave the house, right, if you have kids and you're going to leave the house, you must start the process at least an hour before you have to go. And that's not including a wife who has to get ready and shower and make I'm just talking about kids getting diapers. Where are your shoes? You don't know where your shoes are at. Oh, your shoes are on your head. You know, where are your pants? What happened to your doll? Where's your computer? Where's your snacks? It, 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 you need a good hour before you get going to try to get somewhere. Don't even try to make a movie because that is out of the question. So, you know, how long would you wait for something? And there's a story when I was researching, you know, people who've waited for things. There's a story. They made a movie about it. It's about a dog named, I, I believe it's Hachi. And Hachi was a dog. He was adopted by a man, a single guy. And every day, Hachi would accompany his owner to the train station where his owner would get on the train. He would go into town for work and Hachi would walk home. And then somewhere around 4 or 5 o'clock, Hachi would walk back to the train station. His owner would come back on the train, and his owner and Hachi would walk home together, and they'd spend the rest of the evening. Well, on a tragic day, Hachi's owner, everything was normal. They went to the train station, and Hachi's owner went into work, and he had cardiac arrest, and he actually died at work. And Hachi, you know, being a dog, had no idea. So around 4 or 5 o'clock that day, Hachi went back to the train station. 
the train unloaded and Hachi scanned the faces for his owner and, and didn't see him. And so he sat there. Finally, Hachi went home. The next morning, Hachi got up and went back to the train station looking for his owner. Didn't see him. He went home, waited till about four or five o'clock, and then went back to the train station, scanned the faces as the train unloaded, and dejectedly walked back home. Hachi did this for nine years before he passed away. And when he passed away, they buried him next to his owner. And, and the cool part of the story is the town didn't disrupt him. The town allowed the dog to go from his home to the train station. They fed him, gave him water, made sure he was taken care of. But how long would you be willing to wait? Would you wait nine years for your owner to come back? Would you wait nine years on anything? Would you wait nine minutes? That's really the question that I want to establish today. How long are we willing to wait on the promises of God? How long are we willing to say, God, I trust you no matter what? I don't care if I have to stand in this place for the next year, two years, 10 years, 30 years, 50 years. God, I trust that your promises will come into my life, that I will see the day of the Lord. And so that's where really where we're going to pick up with Abraham. Abraham was in a place where he was waiting on a promise that God had given him. And let's go to that promise first. And we're going to pick up right in the same place we left off last podcast. And that's in Genesis 12. And this is verse 1 through 4. Now the Lord had said to Abraham, Get out of your country and from your kindred and from your father's house unto a land that I will show you. And I will make of you a great nation. And I will bless you and I will make your name great. And you will be a blessing. And I will bless them that bless you, and I will curse them who curse you. And in you shall all families of the earth be blessed. So Abraham departed as the Lord had spoken unto him. And Lot went with him, and Abraham was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. Now remember, Haran is where Abraham got delayed, where his promise was put on hold because he had not necessarily in his misguided judgment, but really in his, his distrust of, of leaving his father, had taken him and his dad, had gone to Haran, and he had settled there and waited for his father to pass away. Now, God had told him, get away from your father, get away from your family. But he, he wasn't obedient, and partial obedience in that place only brought him partial blessing. And so now his dad has died, and Abraham has left Haran. He's gotten away from his family. He's left everything that's familiar at this point. And he's given this first promise in verse 2 and 3. And Abraham leaves as the Lord has instructed him. Again, he takes Lot, his nephew, which he shouldn't have done. I don't understand at what point Abraham thought, get thee away from thy family. Now, that's the King James Version of it, meant but make sure you take thy nephew Lot. It doesn't really compute, but, you know, we do the same thing in our own life. You know, God will say something to us, and we'll kind of believe it, you know, or we'll sort of believe it, or we'll do it haphazardly or halfway because we really don't trust in what God is going to completely do. And so we'll try to take things in our own hands. We'll say, okay, God, I'm going to trust you with half of this, but, you know, I'm still going to take Lot with me. I'm still going to take Lot because... 
you know, he's familiar and he's family and, you know, he doesn't have a job and he really needs some help. So I know you told me to get away from my family, but God, you know, I really need to take care of Lot. I mean, what kind of uncle would I be if I just left Lot and Haran? You know, he didn't have any family there either. And so Abraham left Haran. He was 75 years old when he left. And if you skip down real quick to Genesis 13, verse 2, it says, Now Abraham was extremely rich in livestock and in silver and in gold. Now, if you if the Bible is calling you extremely rich, this is not spiritually rich. This is not he is rich in love or he is rich in goodness. No, Abraham was rich in dollar dollar bills, y'all. Abraham had money. He had lots and lots of money. And in their agricultural time, the more agricultural things you had, crops, sheep, goats, herds, things like that, the richer you were. Now they had in a lot of precious stones, gold and silver. Abraham was the modern day Bill Gates. I mean, he was balling when it came to money. He was financially set. He was very, very rich. He became so rich that Lot, who was with him, just by association, started to become rich. I mean, Lot, just hanging out with Abraham, started to become rich. And that's how much God wanted to bless Abraham. When he said in Genesis 12, I'm going to bless you so you can be a blessing, he wasn't talking about somebody who's just going to say, God bless you when you sneeze. He was talking about a guy who's going to have the provision and the wherewithal to take care of people around him if he needs to. He is going to bless people and not even feel the dent in his bank account because of it. And Lot felt that. You know, Lot's herd started to increase. Lot's flocks started to increase. Lot, just by association, started to become this wealthy man. You know, and in Christian circles, they call this the law of association. Who are you putting yourself around? Who are you tying yourself to? And with Lot, he knew exactly what he was tying himself to. He was tying himself to Abraham, who God had called blessed. But God had specifically told Abraham you got to get away from your family. You have got to go. And because of Abraham's continuation of bringing Lot and continuation of having him a part of his life, there was a delay in the original promise. And we talked about this on the last podcast. Partial obedience brings partial blessing. Now, Abraham was very rich. He was partially getting the blessing that God had told him. But he wasn't getting the remainder of of the promise. And we're going to get into that in just a minute, but here's what God had to do. God knew Lot had to get away from Abraham. In order for Abraham to become the man that God wanted him to be, in order for him to become the father of our faith, to become the father of many nations, to become one of the most mentioned men in the Bible outside of Moses and Jesus, God had to get Lot away from Abraham. So what did he do? He blessed Abraham so much. He blessed those around him, Lot, so much that it had to, it forcibly removed Lot from Abraham. And the story goes without getting, without reading it, that Lot's herds and flocks got so big 
that Lot's shepherds started to fight with Abraham's shepherds because the land they were living in couldn't contain the wealth. Think about that. Two men, their wealth was so magnificent, the land could not sustain them. And so Lot said, or Abraham said to Lot, look, you look right, left, back, front, wherever you look, you go. You go to that place and I'll go the opposite direction. I don't want to have any animosity between us. And so Lot chose to go towards Sodom and Gomorrah. And what, what really touched me with that story is God didn't, you know, bring some kind of plague on Abraham because he wasn't being obedient. He didn't, you know, bring any kind of curse or hurt Abraham in that moment. I think as Christians, you know, we look at our lives sometimes when things are going bad and we think, oh my gosh, what have I done? What did I do to cause this to happen? But in reality, God is not the author of confusion. He's not the author of pain. He's not the author of of sickness or disease. Jesus said it very clearly in John 10, 10. He says, the thief, the enemy, Satan, he comes to steal and kill and destroy. Jesus said, I have come that you might have life in abundance to the full and until it overflows. And that was what God was doing to Abraham. He was blessing him so much and those in association, with, in association with him so much that that pushed them apart. And so it doesn't have to be a bad situation in your life for you to need to have a change. In this case, God was blessing Abraham to push Lot away from him. And so that is really what gave Abraham the push that he needed to do what God had originally told him to do, which was to leave his family, to leave his father, and go to a nation that I'm calling you to go so that I can bless you, I can give you a son, and I can found my nation, Israel, where I want to do it, but I can't do it if your family is still around you. And this is nothing to do with people's family, and I'm not trying to tell you you need to get away from your family or get away from those you love. God gave this specific promise to Abraham. And, and, we, and we talked about this on the last podcast. Abraham's family were idol worshipers, and so they were still bringing that around. And God was saying, look, Abraham, I am the God, the only God, the God who made everything. And I've got to get you out of the situation where people around you don't know me. People around you are trying to influence you to worship other gods because, listen, I am the only God. And for me, the takeaway from this is, who am I associating myself with? See, Lot was associating himself with Abraham because he knew, hey, if I hang out with Abraham, I'm going to be blessed. But Abraham was hanging out with Lot, and it was causing the promise that God had given him to not come to pass. Yes, he was rich, but he didn't have a son yet. Sarah, his wife, still couldn't have children. And so this was putting his promise, his de- this was putting a delay in the promise of God. And so God said, listen, I'm done with this. I am tired of messing around. We're going to get Lot away. So Lot and Abraham separated. And then we get into Genesis 15, 1 through 6. And this is what I love about God. He doesn't give up on Abraham just because Abraham you know, didn't originally do what God had called him to do. He wasn't like, okay, finding somebody else, moving on. And then that gives me, goodness, I feel a lot of relief that God doesn't look at my past. He doesn't look at the stupid stuff that I've done, 
the times that I haven't trusted in God, the times that I've sinned and continued to sin. And he doesn't look at that and say, well, you're not qualified anymore. Yeah, you're not going to do it because, you know, I need somebody who's perfect, who's always going to trust me, who's going to walk after me all the time. I need somebody who's only going to come after me. But that wasn't the case. With Abraham still not following exactly what God said, God forcefully removed Lot. And at this point, God said, listen, let me tell you the promise again. We find that in Genesis 15. And after these things, the word of the Lord came to Abraham in a vision saying, fear not, Abraham. I am your shield and I am your exceeding great reward. No matter how much money you've got, Abraham, I am your reward. No matter how much flocks and gold and silver you've got, I am your reward. No matter how much money's in your 401k, in your bank account, no matter how big your house is, God, He is your reward. Because in the end, my friends, we will all stand before God and everything that we have on this earth will perish in fire, but we will stand before God and He is our great reward. Verse 2, And Abraham said, Lord God, what will you give me, seeing I go childless? And the steward of my house, Eliezer of Damascus. And Abraham said, Behold, to me thou hast given no seed, and lo, only born in my house is mine heir. He's saying, Look, the servant, Eliezer of Damascus, he's a good man, but he's not my son, and he's going to inherit all my stuff. Somebody who's not even my family is going to inherit all my stuff because you haven't given me a son yet. And behold, the Lord, the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, This shall not be your heir, but he that shall come forth out of your own bowels shall be your heir. And he brought him forth abroad and said, Lord, now, or, I'm sorry, God brought Abraham out. He said, Look now toward heaven and tell me if you can count the stars. He said, if you can count them, that's how, much, that's how many your seed will be. And Abraham believed in the Lord, and he counted it to him as righteousness. See, God came to Abraham and said, let me remind you of the promise I told you back in Genesis 12 and in Genesis 13. God had not forgotten the promise. Abraham might have forgotten the promise, he might have looked around at his life and just thought, okay, well, I guess I'm going to be rich and this servant is going to be my heir. But he, and he even might have thought God had forgotten the promise. I think that sometimes. I look around at my life and I go, God, have, have you, did you forget what you told me? Did, did you forget what you said to me? But God never forgets. And the words that come out of God's mouth do not return unto him void and without power. If God said it, if you can truly bank on that's the word of God, then it will come to pass no matter how long you have to wait. We may forget, we might doubt, but God never forgets. And what I think is so awesome about Abraham's relationship with God in this moment is in verse 2. And Abraham said, Lord God, what will you give me seeing I go childless? He's saying, what, do you, what more can you give me? I've got all the gold. I've got all the silver. I've got all the flocks. I've got a wife. I've got everything I need, except I don't have anyone to leave this to. You told me that I'm going to be a father of many nations, 
and I still don't have a son. What good is everything else if I don't have the full promise? But what happened is Abraham had not done what God had said from the very beginning. Yes, he'd left. He'd had partial obedience. But how long would Abraham had to wait? How long would the promise have been delayed if Abraham had just believed God immediately? If he'd have just left his dad, he'd have left Lot and said, I am just going to the land of Canaan. Don't stop me. I've got to leave everybody else. I've got to fully follow him. But because of his delay, because Abraham delayed himself, that caused frustration in his own life. Right? It wasn't God causing frustration in Abraham's life. Abraham's frustrated. He didn't have a child yet. He didn't have the fulfillment of the promise. But it wasn't God's fault. He's blaming God, but it's really not his fault. We do the same thing. We like to blame God for things that are our own fault. It's our own frustration because we haven't fully done what God has told us to do. And if we're not going to be fully obedient, then we can't expect to see the full blessing of God on our life. And then there's this moment when God takes Abraham out. He says, look at the stars, dude. If you can count those stars then that's how many seeds, that's how many kids you're going to have. And Abraham finally fully believes God. You know, maybe he doubted this part of the promise. Maybe he doubted that he was going to be a father of many nations. You know, he could easily believe that he was going to have success in business, that he was going to have more money, he was going to have greater influence. Those were easy to believe because he could physically see that. But how is he going to have a kid at 75 years old? How is his wife, who's old and wrinkly, going to be able to carry a baby? I mean, she's barren. They've tried many times. You know, many nights they have done their best to have a child, and she is still barren. How can you believe God when the promise is impossible? And Abraham's honesty with God just shows how close his fellowship was. It was Abraham's fault, but because they were such close friends, even the Bible says that God called Abraham his friend. Because of their friendship, Abraham was honest with God. And, and this, is how, this is how close I want to be with God. I want to be so close that I'm able to be honest about everything. And not just honest and say, hey, this is where I've sinned or this is where I've messed up, but, but be honest in my frustrations and be honest in my direction and, and how I approach God. And that's what Abraham was doing in this moment. But what happened to Abraham is after he fully believed God, there was still more delay. And in that delay, Abraham tried to do it himself again. Originally, he, he, left his, he left when God had told him to leave. He left with his dad and his nephew Lot. And now, Abraham, or now God says, Abraham, look, I, I am telling you that you are going to have a son. And at this point, it's been 11 years since he's gotten that first promise. And then in Genesis 16, we see where Abraham tries to rationalize this. God told me I was going to have a son. Now Sarah, Abraham's wife, bare him no children, and she had a handmaid, an Egyptian, whose name was Hagar. And Sarah said unto Abraham, Behold now, the Lord has restrained me from bearing. I pray, go in unto my maid, and may it be that I may obtain children by her. And Abraham 
hearkened to the voice of Sarah. I bet he did. And Sarah, Abraham's wife, took Hagar, her maid, the Egyptian, after Abraham had dwelt ten years in the land of Canaan, and gave her to her husband Abraham to be his wife. And he went unto Hagar, and she conceived. And when she saw that she had conceived, her mistress was despised in her eyes. Abraham delayed himself because he listened to his wife, Sarah. Now, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with listening to your wife or listening to your husband. But God had specifically told Abraham that you are going to have a child and that child's going to come through Sarah. Abraham knew the promise of God, but because of the delay, because there was a delay in the promise, which Abraham, to, to his own fault, really started when he didn't leave his family. But in his delay, he compromised and he tried to fulfill the promise on his own. You know, Sarah comes to him and says, listen, here's my handmaid. You know, have relations with her. And when you do and they and you have a child, we'll just call this our kid through my handmaid. But but the problem was that's not what God had said. And so Abraham, even though he believed God, that God was going to give him a son in his delay and in God's delay, really bringing this promise because of what Abraham had done. Now, Abraham lost focus because he agreed with what his wife said and decided to compromise in the promise. I almost called this podcast Compromise in the Promise because that's what Abraham did. He compromised and brought his dad and Lot. Then he compromised and brought Lot again with him. And now he's compromised again. And, and at this point, it's like, Abraham, God has told you you're going to have a kid. Can you just let it happen? But I can sit here and judge Abraham all day, but I see it in my own life. God's told me to do something, and I'm like, well, maybe I'll do it this way, or, or maybe I'll try to accomplish it you know, a different way. But in reality, God's saying, no, no, no. I want you to do it my way. I remember when we bought our second home together, and, and Val and I, you know, we don't, like debt. But when you buy a house, you know, a lot of times you go into debt and there's nothing wrong with that. But I remember God uh, talking to me about this. And and one morning uh, I was doing my study and God said, pay off your house. And I was like, do what? He said, pay off your house, pay off your loan. And so I started thinking about my accounts and I was doing some addition. And I said, okay, Lord, if I drain my investment account, if I take everything out of my investment account, then we can pay off our house, and I won't have to touch our, our savings account. And so I went to work that day, and it was a Monday. And the stock market, which is where our investment account was, opened down. So the market itself opened down like 300 points. And it finished down that day some, some unruly amount, like five, 600 points. It was just one of those really bad days for the, for the Dow Jones. And I remember sitting there on that Monday thinking, okay, here's what I'm going to do. Surely the market's going to come back. I'm going to wait. I'm going to wait till Tuesday or Wednesday, and then I'm going to sell, and then I'm going to use the money to pay off the house. Well, Tuesday came, the market fell further. Wednesday came, the market fell further. Thursday, Friday, market kept falling. Finally, I was doing Bible study over the weekend, and God said, are you going to sell that investment account and use it to pay off your house, or what? And so on Monday, I went into work. I think that I don't remember what the market was doing on that Monday the week later, but I sold everything. 
But because I did, the market was down like 8% from where it was on that previous Monday. And so I had to take money out of my savings, or out of our savings, I'm sorry, (laughs) to pay off our house. And if I had just listened to God on that Monday a week ago earlier, I wouldn't have had to do that. But I compromised in what God had told me to do. It was a blessing, and it was a promise fulfilled that we had the money to pay off our mortgage. But it was me compromising in that, saying, well, the market will come back. Well, it'll come back. Well, let me try to do it on my own. And in that, I had to take more money out of my savings, which I never, I didn't want to do. And so I, I, I can sit there and, and totally see what Abraham was feeling. I, I understand how he was feeling. And, and if you look at Hebrews chapter 6, verses 11 through 12, and this is the Passion Translation. I love this version of the, of the, of the Bible, and I, and I really think this verse is, is so articulated uh, in, this, in this translation. It says, But we long to see you, and that, that you is talking to you and me, but we long to see, and I always like to put my name in there when I see you, I long, but, but we long to see Drew passionately advanced until the end, and Drew finds his hope fulfilled. So don't allow your hearts to grow dull or lose your enthusiasm, but follow the example of those who fully received what God has promised because of their strong faith and patient endurance. A lot of times, it's just going to take endurance on our end. We're going to have to endure the delays. We're going to have to endure. If we make mistakes, we're going to have to endure the consequences of those. Abraham made a mistake by not leaving his country with just him and Sarah. He made a mistake by not doing what God had called him to do. And because of that, he found himself in this delay. Now, fast forward 25 years. Genesis 17. Abraham now is 99 years old. God says, come walk before me and be blameless, Abraham. If you look at blameless in the original Hebrew, it means whole. It means I want all of you, Abraham. Come walk before me and give me everything, all your trust, all your heart, everything, Abraham. I need everything. If I'm going to give you this promise, if I'm going to give you this seed, I need you to give me everything. Because, guys, remember, just a few years later after Isaac's born, God asked Abraham to sacrifice Isaac. And we know how that story ends where, where Abraham takes him up on the mountain, puts Isaac on the altar, lifts the knife to sacrifice his son. And God says, whoa, stop. And Abraham looks at God and says, what do you want me to do? And God had provided, and Abraham turned around and there was a, there was a, 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 um, a lamb stuck in the, a ram, I'm sorry, stuck in the thicket. And God provided a ram. But God looked at Abraham and said, because you would not withhold your one and only son, I feel like I can fully trust you. And see how far Abraham had, came, had come? God said, I want all of you, Abraham, because I know what's in your future. And God's telling you that today. He's saying, listen, I want all of you because I know what your future holds. And if you'll give me everything, if you'll give me everything you've got, you're going to see things in your future that you never could imagine. You're going to see the blessing of, on your life so big, the favor of God just covering you. But you got to give me everything now so that you can see it in the future. Isaac was not going to show up until Abraham gave everything to God. Abraham wasn't going to get the fullness of the promise 
until he gave everything to God, until he walked in perfect obedience. So here's what I want you to take away from this. And I feel like I go for an hour on this subject, but I don't want to go for an hour because statistics show that the most you're going to listen is 30 minutes to a podcast, and I'm already at 31.59. Actually, I'm at 32 minutes now. But here are the three things that I want to take away from this from this story with Abraham. Don't give up on your original promise. Don't give up on what God has told you to do. Keep moving forward. Even if you make a mistake, even if you delay the promise, keep moving forward. Because God has a way to bring it all back together. You can read story after story after story in the Bible where God had told someone to do something. He had given them a promise. He'd given them direction. And those individuals had messed it up. They had stopped doing what God had told them to do. They delayed themselves. But God brought the promise right back around. He brought it back and he made good out of it. So don't give up. Number two, don't allow others or time to deter you from God's promise. Don't allow others. Don't allow what other people say to you. Don't guard your dream. Don't tell everybody your dream because sometimes people get jealous. Guard your dream, but don't let what others say, even those closest to you, deter you from what God has called you to do. And don't let time. Because remember, we live in a, we live in a world of time. Right now, we're at 33 minutes and 20 seconds on this podcast. It's 3.15 on a Thursday. We live in a world of time, but God is eternal. God doesn't live in time. He doesn't work in time. And so sometimes He might tell you a promise at 13 that's not going to come to pass till 30. He might tell you a promise at 20 that's not going to come to pass till 40. He might tell you a promise at 50 that you won't see till you're 80. Do not let time stop you from getting the promise of God. And number three, God can turn around any situation. Don't let the enemy convince you that you have messed up, that you have sinned, that your life can't be turned around. The promises of God are not for you because of what you've done or how you feel. Let me tell you something. You are a chosen child of God. You are loved. You are precious. God is crazy about you, and He wants to see the promises in your life fulfilled. But just seek Him. Don't give up. Don't listen to others. And remember that God can turn around anything. Let me pray for you. Father God, we thank you so much for today. We thank you for stories like Abraham for men and women who have walked these stories out long before we ever had to. Thank you for showing us how we can do things differently. But God, we thank you for your mercy. We thank you for your grace. God, we thank you for your forgiveness. God, we thank you for your promises that are coming to pass in our life. And God, we ask today that you would lead us closer to you, Draw us closer to your heart. If we're not on our original plan, bring us back, God. We love you, Jesus. Amen. Thank you so much for listening today. God bless.